Dr. William Barrick, former professor of the Old Testament at the Master's Seminary, said, The smell of death, the crackling of thorns in a fire, nostalgia for yesteryear, something bent that cannot be straightened, the whispering of servants and the hardened hearts of fallen mankind, these are some of the images summoned by Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. In chapter 7, King Solomon wants to remind us that life is transitory. It is fleeting or vanity in our vain attempts to be satisfied in this life. We have to be governed by godly wisdom and not worldly foolishness in order to live in this very complicated and hard to understand life with care. As we just saw in the year 2020, who can really understand what has taken place, right? Well, from all of Solomon's investigations and conclusions, even though he didn't find all the answers to his questions, the end result is that in order to have a fulfilled life, you must recognize that God is in control and give him the glory. David Gibson agrees and says this about living with godly wisdom. From the book that we are studying, Living Life Backwards, he says, Learn to live wisely in God's world in the midst of all the brokenness. The wisest thing you can do is to realize is that not even being wise will tell you everything you want to know. As we look briefly at some of the verses from Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 1 to 25, we'll see that it sounds like we are reading from the wisdom book of Proverbs. Let's read Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 1 to 14. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, starting with verse 1, says, A good name is better than a good ointment, and the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. Verse 4 says, A mind of the wise is in the house of mourning, while the mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. Verse 5 says, It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than for one to listen to the song of fools. For as a crackling of thorn bushes under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool, and this too is futility. For oppression makes a wise man mad, and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Do not say, why is it that the former days were better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask about this. Wisdom along with an inheritance is good and an advantage to those who see the sun. Verse 12 says, for wisdom is protection just as money is protection, but the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the lives of its possessors. Consider the work of God, for who is able to straighten what he has bent? And verse 14 says, In a day of prosperity be happy, but in a day of adversity consider God has made the one as well as the other, so that man will not discover anything that will be after him. Author Michael Kelly commented on verses 1 to 14 and says, The wise person will choose that which is better over that which is not. The foolish person will pursue the opposite course of action. So Ecclesiastes, if you have your outline, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verses 1 to 25 presents four statements. 
Four statements showing that choosing to live with godly wisdom in this complicated life brings glory to God. Well, the first point, if you have your outline, and we'll spend most of our time here, is that God's wisdom in life is better than living foolishly. God's wisdom in life is better than living foolishly. Well, one way to live with godly wisdom and not foolish wisdom is by choosing to have a good reputation. Verse 1 says, a good name is better than a good ointment. Solomon uses the phrase better than, which can also be translated more good than, in order to provide a series of contrasts and proverbial statements from verses 1 to 14 to show that choosing wisdom is more good than, if I can say it that way, foolishness. And righteousness is much better than wickedness. So Solomon says, a good name is better than a good ointment. This means that in your life, it is critical for you, by God's grace, to have a reputable name, a good reputation as a believer of Jesus Christ. When a person thinks of our name, what is the first thing that they think of? What do they think of when they think of your name? This verse says that having a good reputation in life is much better than if you purchase some expensive ointment or perfume that smells good and is refreshing. Now, some interesting thoughts in case you're wondering from various commentators on the word ointment in ancient Israel's culture. Robert Gordis says ointment spoke of the bathing of an infant in oil at birth. Philip Ryken says ointment was for refreshing the body to provide relief from body odor, muscle soreness, dry skin, and other conditions. R.N. Wybray says ointment was a luxury provided by the possession of significant wealth. And Daniel Frederick says, and this kind of fits the first part of our passage, or our passage this morning, ointment spoke of the preparation of a corpse for burial, as we'll see in a few moments. So as a believer today, you could smell really, really good, but be a person who is an unfaithful husband or wife or an unloving father or mother who does not submit to the will of God for your life. If this is happening, you have to remember that this could ruin your reputation. Or if this is happening, then your reputation is being ruined. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 1 says, A good name should be more desired than great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. So unlike smelling good, a respectful name will last for generations. Grandchildren and great-grandchildren will remember your name if God is at the center of your life. Now, If you don't believe that your name is reputable, ask God to show you your sins, repent, and ask God for forgiveness, and make it your desire to please God in everything that you do. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Amen? This exhortation of one's reputation should begin at a very early age. Another way to live with godly wisdom and not foolishly is to anticipate the day of one's death. I know we're going to talk about death and it's not something that we all want to talk about. It's very uncomfortable. But the second part of verse 1 says, And the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. Famous preacher W.A. Criswell said, Man has two days, birthday and death day. A birthday and death day. 
And our tombstone will say the day that we were born and the day that we died. Our tombstone will say the day that we were born or the day of our death. Even though the topic of death is not a pleasant topic to talk about, we should always consider, anticipate, and talk about death. And a true test of our life's reputation will be at our funeral as our name is mentioned. This is why Solomon speaks about death and wants us to think about it. Contemplating our death can affect how we live our lives today before God and other believers, right? Well, Dr. Barrick says mature individuals who are facing their final cycle of years realize that their bodies are deteriorating rapidly. Now, that's not me. You guys are, are the ones who are old out there, right? We increased pain, he says, weakness and medical issues relative to the aging process all mark the transition. Eventually, if the deterioration affects the quality of one's life significantly, the aging person begins to long for the relief that will come with death. Even the godliest individuals endure the ravages of time with the hope that passing from this life will bring a desirable release from the effects of the fall. Michael Kelly again says, The upshot of it all is that Solomon has learned that the truly godly individual takes life and death seriously, remembering that he must stand before the righteous and eternal God and give an account of himself. A person lives to please God rather than to please himself. Dr. Barak again says Solomon depicts death as a reigning king in every individual's life. And we know that Jesus Christ truly is our king. We worship him. But he says that death is also our king. He says indeed he pulls the reader aside to invite him or her to a funeral. As we see in verse 1. There they will listen in as the mourners discuss the death of friends and loved ones. Readers will observe how such an experience affects the lives of those who have witnessed the state of the deceased person's affairs. And we've been to and heard many eulogies about a person's life over the years. Well, what are some benefits for us, at least before the coronavirus hit, of attending the funeral of a loved one? What are some benefits for us, at least before the coronavirus hit, of attending the funeral of a loved one? One commentator says, here are some benefits. First, understanding more clearly the ultimate result of the fall. Giving proper consideration to the brevity of life. Being reminded that how we live does count. Recommitting ourselves to live life in light of eternity. Preparing to die learning the value of comfort and being comforted, and knowing that no one lives to herself and no one dies to himself. So again, Solomon tells us that death brings the end to man's life, and whenever we attend the funeral of another person, we should be anticipating our own death. And for our young people, remember, the actions and the decisions you make today will affect how you are thought about at your funeral. John MacArthur says, where a man has so lived to earn a good reputation, the day of his death can be a time of honor. And how true that is. Here's one quote that says, death propels a person into an eternal existence. I pray that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior so that your eternal existence will be in heaven and not in hell. Start preparing your living trust or will. 
Well, Solomon continues his realistic thought about death. King Solomon says in verse 2, he says, It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. House of mourning speaks of the home of the person who died, or being at a funeral home during the wake, where family members and others gather to mourn the one who died. The house of mourning teaches us that there is a finality to man's life. Man does not live forever. In about 16 days, on January 26, will be the one-year anniversary of Kobe Bryant dying in a tragic helicopter accident. Imagine it's been one year. Last February 24th, 2020, thousands of fans gathered for a public memorial service at the Staples Center. And I'm sure many in attendance thought about the day that they would die too. But not everyone sadly thinks about their death, even while being in the house of mourning. What a shocker it will be to that person when they die. But as believers in Jesus Christ, even though we should be thinking about death, we have the hope of heaven promised to us, right? In fact, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And speaking about our Lord Jesus Christ, in the Gospels, we see that our Lord Jesus Christ anticipated his death on the cross to die for our sins. The Apostle Paul also anticipated his death. In fact, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 says, Paul says that he is being poured out as a drink offering and the time of his departure is at hand. You are living with godly wisdom when you think about your own death. Well, as you skip to verse 5, Solomon says it is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than for one to listen to the song of fools. Rebuke means to be chastised or severely corrected because of your sins. Now, many times we do not want to be rebuked by someone because of the sin we committed because it's painful. It hurts our pride. We want the person to, to shrug off our sinful behavior and not confront us with our sins. So Solomon says if someone comes to rebuke or chastise you because of sins in your life, it will greatly benefit you if you receive the rebuke with humility, patience, they have a desire to change and live for the glory of God. This shows that you are a person living with wisdom. Proverbs chapter 27 verses 5 to 6 says, Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds or rebuke of a friend. If someone truly loves you, they will confront you of sin because they don't want to see you living that way. And here's a quote. It says, but as many sweet things are poison, so many bitter things are medicine. Let me just say that again. But as many sweet things are poison, so many bitter things are medicine. And how true that is. In verse, as we skip to verse 10, King Solomon says, Do not say, why is it that the former days were better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask about this. Today, when people face the difficulties of life, they often lose touch with reality 
and they played old songs from Spotify, which bring sweet memories of comfort and peace in their lives. Or sometimes people desire to jump into a time machine and relive their past, where there was actually no problems or headaches, right? No, wrong. We actually had problems 10, 15 years ago, too. One commentator said a lack of wisdom on the part of fools promotes an unhealthy and irrational nostalgia for the past. In reality, he exercises a selective memory. Dreamers of days gone by reveal their ignorance of history, their false theology regarding the sinfulness of man and fallen condition of the world, their blindness to the opportunities existing in the present, and their impatience regarding the future. In short, this way of thinking is not from wisdom. So we have to be careful that in the midst of trouble, problems, and discontentment, that we do not lose touch with reality, but keep asking God for wisdom and understanding in the midst of our trials, as James chapter 1, verse 5 says, and we'll see that in a moment. Well, again, on your outline, second point of our outline is God's wisdom in life displays his sovereignty. God's wisdom in life displays his sovereignty. Solomon says in verse 13, he says, Consider the work of God, for who is able to straighten what he has bent. We looked at a similar verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 15, which says, What is crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. The first part of the verse says, Consider the work of God. Consider means to see, observe, tell, look, or enjoy. The work of God in your lives and to see his wisdom and his plans for your life. And I think sometimes we need to do it. We need to make, uh, take a, a yellow legal pad and write down all the blessings that God has brought into our lives. Right? And, and, and that's, you know, young people can do that and even us who are older can do that also. Get a legal pad and write down. That's what the word consider means. Think about all the blessings that God has given to you in your life. In fact, Psalm 111 verses 2 to 4 says, Great are the works of the Lord, as psalmist says. He says, They are studied by all who delight in them. So those, so people study the great works of the Lord. The verse continues, it says, Splendid and majestic is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. And that's what we need to do again. Study the works of the Lord. What has he done in your life? What has he done in your life? You know, even though 2020 was a, was a year of turmoil, what blessings has God brought, did God bring into your life in the year 2020? And even as we embark on 2021, January 10th, the past 10 days, what blessings has God brought into your life already? And I'm sure there's many more blessings that are coming. Well, Solomon tells us that God is sovereign and is in complete control of every detail of our lives, even in the pain and suffering that we don't like to experience. There is wisdom in his perfect plan for you. And we just saw that unless the rapture occurs, that we ultimately are going to die one day. So we need to spend our efforts thinking about God's sovereignty and wisdom in our suffering, our pain, our sorrow, our joy, laughter, and even in another person's time of death. You know, for a person or family that has lost a loved one through a tragic death, 
uh, maybe coronavirus, maybe a miscarriage, or die by some other means. Yes, it is it's very painful. However, we can take comfort that our merciful, sympathetic God knows our pain and that God has ordained the number of days that a person will live on this earth. In fact, Psalm 139, verse 16, the psalmist says, Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, as yet there was not one of them. God has ordained the days that we will live in our lives. He knows that already. Death is a surprise to us, right? But not for God. God is in control of even our lives today. So when tragedy strikes and life consists of roller coasters, as we saw in 2020, we have to live righteously by trusting in the ultimate wisdom of God, who alone is wise, right? As Jude chapter, or verse 25 says. In those tough times, we need to ask ourselves with godly acknowledgement, positively asking these type of questions of God, not in a negative sense, but in a positive sense. Where does God fit into this picture? Where does God fit in this trial? How does my current circumstances fit into the overall plan of God? But the second part of verse 13 says, For who is able to straighten what he has bent? The word straighten there means the good things God brings in our lives. The word bent there or crooked means the bad things which God allows in our lives. But either way, either he is strengthened or bent, God is using those circumstances to make us more like Jesus Christ. And there's nothing that we can do to change the activities that our great and good God brings presently into our lives. So we must be thankful. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, We must be content and enjoy life. I think that's also the message in Ecclesiastes, to enjoy what God has given to you. Enjoy every second of life. And know that all of this is working out for your good and to sanctify us and to make us again more like Jesus Christ, as Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says. John MacArthur says, Man should consider God's activity because God is sovereign, decreeing, and controlling everything under the sun. Everything that's under the sun. He's in control of it. One commentator commenting, commenting on Job chapter 33, verse 13, when Elihu, remember one of Job's so-called friends, spoke to Job because he complained that God did not speak to him. And he, this is what the commentator said. Elihu reminded Job that God didn't have to defend his will or actions to anyone. No, he's God. He's sovereign. He doesn't have to justify himself to us, right? God is sovereign, and we have to live with the lot that God has given to us with joy and to praise him. As we move on to verse 14, it says, In a day of prosperity, be happy. But in a day of adversity, consider, there's that word consider again, think about, contemplate, that God has made the one as well as the other, so that man will not discover anything that will be after him. This is kind of what, like what we had said in the previous verse, that God has ordained and brings both prosperity and adversity into our lives. And we can't allow adversity to hinder our joy or the blessings that God has brought to us or brings to us every single day. One commentator said, Do not miss the enjoyment of the good times. We must find our peace and confidence 
and knowing God is at the helm. He's in control, right? I saw one bumper sticker that said, uh, God is my uh, co-pilot and I'm the pilot. Did you ever see something like that? No, no, no. God is the pilot. He's at the helm. And you definitely don't want me flying a plane, but no, God is in control of our lives, right? It's amazing as we look through the book of Ecclesiastes how he brings us to reality, right? To think about God again, that he is in control of everything that happens in our lives. Verse 14 also, so that man will not discover anything that will be after him, meaning that God will withhold from us to know what type of trials, and listen to this, and even the flux, flux, uh, flux, <laughs> the trials or problems that the year 2021 will bring. Okay, 2021 guarantee, I'm not a prophet or son of a prophet, will bring us through a lot of ups and downs again, like the year 2020. But we have to trust God for tomorrow, don't we? But as we trust God for tomorrow, we have to trust God and enjoy today of what he has given to us. In fact, Matthew chapter 6, verse 34 says, Jesus says, so do not worry about what? Tomorrow. For tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And in that, we need to trust God, right? Well, as we come to our third point of our outline this morning, it says God's wisdom in life is better than living wickedly. God's wisdom in life is better than living wickedly. Look at verse 15. Psalmist says, I mean, uh, Psalmist says, I have seen everything during my lifetime of futility. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his wickedness. Solomon was a man who was very, very observant. And he says that in his short life, he has seen everything. I mean, you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, he's seen everything that you could imagine. And it's hard for him to make sense of it all. He can't understand everything that's going on in his own life. Very hard to understand. He says, a righteous man dying in his youth and, a, and God allowing a wicked man to continue to live an unrighteous life? without God taking his life, just doesn't make sense, does it? And a lot of times we see people living wickedly, we wonder why God hasn't taken them off this earth, right? We wonder about that. We just can't understand it. It just doesn't make sense. It's unknowable, hard for us to contemplate that. But when you trust in the sovereignty of God and realize that one's spiritual righteousness does not dictate in God's plan the length of one's life, Things come a little bit more into focus. And one thing we have to remember also, when we think about the wicked, we have to realize that the fate of the wicked, from God's perspective, when we think about it, when we think about what, what God is doing even in their own life, God wants them to be saved too, right? When you think about it. When we think of it from that perspective, we understand why God sometimes allows the wicked person to live. Now, when a psalmist became depressed because of the prosperity of the wicked, as we saw uh, a lot in, in 2020, and we'll see in 2021, he began to worship God. And here's what he said in Psalm 73, verses 16 to 20. Now, you don't have to turn there. Let me just turn there for a brief moment. In Psalm 73, verses 16 to 20, he said this, When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. So he's with us. Until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived therein. Surely you set them in slippery places, you cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when aroused, you will despise their form. 
So the psalmist understands, like he knows where we're at. Then when we see the wicked prospering, we have a hard time understanding why that is happening. So when we trust in God's sovereignty and acknowledge his wisdom behind all the wicked and you know, painful events in our lives, that should motivate us to seek and to trust God in his wisdom and live more righteously for him. Another psalm, Psalm 37, verses 7 to 8, is another comforting psalm to hold on to. Psalm 37, verses 7 to 8. As we see wickedness, and this will help prepare us for this, this year, 2021. Here's what the psalmist said. He said, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his ways. Because of the man who carries out wicked schemes, cease from anger and forsake wrath, do not fret, it only leads to evil doing. But there's one thing I think we have to remember, that God is a merciful God, waiting even for the wicked person to turn to repentance, from repentance and repentance to him. Remember in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, remember what it says? It says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Even the wicked person. We have to pray for those who are wicked, who have rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen. We don't want to see them going to hell. We want to see them going to heaven. Well, as we move to verse 16, Solomon says, Do not be excessively righteous and do not be overly wise. Why should you ruin yourself? Now, is Solomon trying to tell us not to be righteous and not to be wise? No, the key words here are the adverbs excessively and overly. The idea here is to guard against being overly religious and self-righteous by acting like a Pharisee, thinking that you are better than another person. In fact, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. I mean, why ruin your reputation and your name, which we spoke about earlier, right? By being prideful and living a haughty life. We should live with godly wisdom, right? Living godly wisdom tells us to follow what Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 4 says. And that says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourself. Right? Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also on the interests of others. And who is our greatest example? Our greatest example of this action? Well, that's in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, right? He says, have this attitude in yourself, speaking about humility, which was also in who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ humbled himself, came down from heaven to live amongst sinful men, became a man, right, in order to die for our sins. That's the attitude we must have. Live a life of humility. Our Lord Jesus Christ did not think about himself, did he? But he thought about us, and he died for us in order to forgive us of our sins. Well, we come to our last and final point. God's wisdom in life is not easily found. God's wisdom in life is not easily found. Look at verse 23. Solomon says, I tested all this with wisdom, and I said, I will be wise. Solomon, he was the, the wisest man who ever lived. He desired to gain more wisdom. 
Now remember in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 9 to 12, God granted Solomon with an abundance of wisdom. So why would Solomon want more wisdom? Well, Dr. Barak says this. He says, according to the historical account, God gave Solomon wisdom primarily to discern and administer justice in Israel. This is why Solomon asked a question in verse 23 by saying, I will be wise. I had a desire to gain more wisdom. Solomon realized that there was a limit even to his wisdom that he had. Well, Solomon's failure was in his desire to achieve wisdom, which was based upon his own will and desire to get it, right? One commentator says, Solomon confesses that he lacks the wisdom that, he, that has the capability of answering life's toughest questions, especially about the inequities of life and the inevitability of death. Well, as far as finding God's wisdom, Solomon said at the, this at the end of verse 23 and in verse 24. He says, but it was far from me, speaking of God's wisdom. What has been is remote and exceedingly mysterious. Who can discover it? And Solomon's question, if you remember, was the same question Job asked in Job chapter 28, verses 12 to 13. Here's what Job said. He says, but where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Well, God's wisdom and purposes are mysterious, right? They can't be found any place in this world, right? Anywhere. God's wisdom to live life only comes from God himself, and he distributes his wisdom as he pleases and in his time frame. In fact, James chapter 1, verse 5 says, But if anyone of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. If you need wisdom for life's trials, ask God, who will give it to you in his time frame when he desires to do so. Well, as we go to verse 25, Solomon says, I directed my mind to know, to investigate, and to seek wisdom and an explanation, and to know the evil of folly and the foolishness of madness. Solomon directed his mind or his heart to know, to investigate, and to seek wisdom and an explanation of what was happening in the universe. So Solomon's final conclusion from chapter 7 is what was mentioned in Ecclesiastes, as we saw earlier, chapter 3, verse 11, that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning to the end, right? Well, the psalmist said in Psalm 139, verse 6, he said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it is high, I cannot attain it. Speaking about God's wisdom. Well, no one can discover anything that will be after him, right? It's all a mystery, as Solomon says. But God is sovereign, and we have to live with wisdom and trust in our sufficient and wise God and be willing, as the chapter in the book that we're reading says, to learn to love the limitations of life, even in our limited wisdom that we have, right? But we can still ask God for wisdom to live a life that's pleasing to him. Amen? All right, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our time this morning. Thank you, Father, for the lessons you've, you've taught us here in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And help us, Father, to always remember that you are in control. And, Father, that only wisdom to live this life, to live life in the midst of trials and fluctuations, only comes from you. Help us, Father, to be faithful, to live for your glory, and to seek your wisdom every day as we live our lives. We love you, and we thank you, and praise you. And please prepare our hearts now for worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.